Welcome to the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Let's join our geeky hosts on this week's episode. And welcome to another episode of Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. The podcast where those geeks drink, discuss our spooky topic this week. Yep. End and of Spooktober. Yeah, end of Spooktober. We made it. <laughs> Woo! We got out of the cabin. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this week we are going to be... Wrapping up Spooktober 2023 with this special Halloween episode coming at your ear holes right now. Yep. Um, but before we dive into this week's episode, let's talk about where to find us. You can find, follow, like, subscribe, comment, tweet, toot, all that fun stuff at Geek Drink Pod on social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, X, Discord, TikTok. Um, I've got you locked in my basement.com. Yeah. <laughs> LonelyApocalypticSurvivors.net <laughs> Take an acid bath with me.com Yeah, Blue Barrel <laughs> Blue Barrel Baths.net You know, that's I, I'll bring that up later, but we'll talk about that Alright <laughs> Well folks, before we dive into this week's episode Let's talk about our drink of the week Grab your beverage and join along as the geeks discuss the drink of the week. All right, folks, we are finally finishing off the last of our beer reserves. Yes. So we're going to start something new next week. Yeah. Send us stuff. (laughs) Yes, or recommend stuff. Yeah. Adam, what are you having this week? Uh, I'm having an Angry Orchard Hard Cider. It's their Sinful Apple. It's a 5%er, but... Really sweet. I don't know. I, I assume it has cinnamon in it. <laughs> What's well, a good fall beer for this cold yeah. fall day? Yeah. And I am drinking the Streamside Strawberry Blondale we featured a few times on yes, this, it was this very podcast. Good. Um, but that's my drink this week from the Big Thompson Brewery. Yeah. Uh, the beer is easy drinking for a perfect lazy day on a boat, a book club, or a quiet night in. Or a podcast. Or a podcast, but I think the quiet night in fits this podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a lot of quiet nights in. Yeah. (laughs) All right, well, cheers. Cheers. It's going to sound weird because mine's a bottle. Yeah, that's like cinnamon apple. This is like a very light strawberry flavor to a Blondale. There we go. All right, folks. Well, now that we've got our drink on, we've been properly lubricated, it's time to talk about this week's topic of the week. What are the geeks going to talk about this week? All right, folks, if you haven't guessed this week, we are talking about the second part of a franchise that we discussed last week. Not really a sequel. Indirect sequel. A sort of weird, connected, connected universe. Yeah. Which does a very good job of not connecting the universe until the end, which we'll get into. But we're talking about 10 Cloverfield Lane. So if you didn't join us last week, we talked about Cloverfield itself. Mm-hmm. So no need to go back and watch and listen to that pod. Well, no need to watch that movie to watch this movie. Yes. Really a minuscule reference in it. Um, but this film... Talk about a cast. Mm-hmm. And a small cast, but a very talented yeah. cast. You've got five cast members. Pretty much. You've got Is that including the voiceover Bradley by Cooper. Bradley Cooper? Yes. You have Mary Elizabeth Winstead mm-hmm. playing Michelle. So if you don't know who she is, uh, she is a actress, singer, um, married to Ewan, Ewan McGregor. Yes. Um, she plays Hera in the live-action Ahsoka series. She was... From Ramona uh, Flowers. Ramona we, Flowers. We talked about her before <laughs> in that. Yeah. Uh, Final Destination 3, Death Proof. Sky High. Sky High. <laughs> uh, Huntress and the Birds of Prey film. Um, I never saw that one, did you? Yeah, pretty good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, a Good Day to Die Hard. Oh, yeah, she played uh, John McClane's daughter. Yes. Um... Mary Todd Lincoln and uh, Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Oh, yeah. So. I never saw that one, really. 
I like the director. He's he did like Wanted and Nightwatch and all that. Oh, uh, Timur Timur Bekmambetov. That's hold on. Bekmambetov. He's Russian. Really? Yes. <laughs> Couldn't tell. He's um. he's a crazy director, but <laughs> I first. Uh, Two films of his I would highly recommend, Night Watch and Day Watch. Um, they were kind of his magnum opus. And then Wanted was pretty good. Yeah, and he actually did a remake of Ben-Hur. Yeah, that sucked. Mm. <laughs> he hasn't done really anything good since Wanted, in my mind. Okay. So. All right, folks. Well, we're not talking about him. We're talking about... Ten Cloverfield Lane. Yes, so let's get back to the cast. Yeah, John Goodman. Can't say enough about John oh, Goodman. Anything he's in. Probably, I mean, one of his most frightening roles I've ever seen. And we'll get into this in a little bit, but John Goodman, comedy, drama, suspense, he can do it all. Yeah. Um, you've got John Gallagher Jr. Um, he's in this film. Um, I know him best from Newsroom, which was a HBO series. Mm-hmm. Um what about you, Adam? Oh, gosh. I mean, I was looking this up the other day. What else has he been in? Because um, I know he, he was, was on a few episodes. Broadway musical. He was on a few episodes of The West Wing. Um, Jonah but- Hex. He was in... Uh, nothing really that we've... Con- he did a lot of like TV. Yeah, he's um, been Law and Orders. He's been in everyone's been on Westworld. Yeah, uh, Westworld. That yes. was the one. Like he's he was in like a few episodes of that. But um, I know I saw this was a movie I saw a long, long time ago, and it's really messed up. Uh, the the Belco experiment, and I didn't yep. really realize it was him. And I was like, oh yeah, so long ago, <laughs> you know, six years. I saw it when it first came out. My brain don't work. <laughs> this movie that we're talking about came out first, before that. I know, but yeah. I didn't realize that it was him. Okay. So, I was like, oh yeah, he was in that. <laughs> um, and then we've also got Suzanne Cryer in a small bit role, as well as Bradley Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, Suzanne Cryer actually was in Cloverfield. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's, repl- she's uh, playing... No, I'm sorry. She was not Gloria. She's in the next one. Okay. Paradox. Okay. As a uh, the newscaster, same woman, same character. Hmm. So there's a little tidbit for you. A little tie-in. And, yeah. And that's our cast. Yep. Uh, very directed, small, very intimate. Yeah. Directed by Dan Trattenberg. Yes. Um, so, Adam, you... Um, I mean, he's in a lot of things. Yes. Um, actually, I'll, uh, I'm going to save my yeah. rep for the end, but he directed that. He's directed two films. Um, he's directed television, uh, The Boys, Black Mirror, Lost yeah. Symbol. Um, Got some cool things, films. I think, yeah. coming out in the future, yep. if IMDb is to be believed. And so he is, uh, and so this film was produced by Bad Robot and J.J. Abrams. Mm-hmm. Um, was a $15 million budget. Yes. Took in $110 million, so moderate success for them. Yeah. Um, especially, and we'll, t- we'll ca- talk about this again, the fact that this was, besides the name, the only kind of clue you had it tied into this universe. Yeah. Which, um, fun fact, apparently the cast didn't know the nope. title of it until like the very end. Yeah. And so all these things where they were trying to like sneak in hints of it being a part of the Cloverfield yeah, it was so originally was um, a a spec script called the Clo- um, the seller. Yeah, um, it wasn't until J.J. Abrams company bought this and said, "If we throw in these little small references, we can make this connect to this universe." Mm-hmm. But they didn't write it to connect to the universe. They just yeah. kind of threw it in as a little bonus feature. Yeah, and in typical uh, Cloverfield fashion, there's tons of little hints and Easter eggs and stuff like that. Yeah, one of my favorite ones, the uh, gas station at the beginning, is named after the ship that's next to my beer. Yes, the Kelvin. The Kelvin, which was named after his grandfather. Oh, really? Yep. Nerd. Yes, I know. Um, but yeah, you got the slush show stuff, um, stuff that references that John Goodman worked for a 
worked for kind of the company that like discovered like the aliens were coming yeah. and um, so um Adam let's just talk about the these kind of films where it's not only is it an intimate cast you know you've only got five cast members really three when you talk, when you think about core cast members who the drama revolves around yeah but space wise for the setting of this film obviously in there in a bomb shelter mm-hmm. this is it this is the entire film except for a few scenes at the end yeah our entire in this bomb shelter it's not like we have this huge expansive set where they need to go to Pinewood Studios in London to have this expansive set or, or on location shooting. It's a very small, yeah, intimate kind of setting. You have a hallway, a living area, a the living sleeping areas, quarters, the, two bedrooms that yeah. one only has the shower and bathroom, um, and then the acid chamber. Well, the acid thing, that was a little door, but but. <laughs> um, but then you have, like, the stuff above that's, yeah. like, the, where the air purifier and creepy shit went down. Yeah. So... So how much spoilers are we going to get into? I know this film came out a long time ago, but... I don't think we need to really preface it with, like, spoiler warnings or anything. We're just going to discuss it, and whatever okay. happens, happens. Yeah. Um, if you want to watch it spoiler-free, pause... At, yes, pause here at the ten minute mark of, or eleven minute mark of this podcast. Yeah, and then and then please re-engage. come back and let us know what you think of this movie. Yeah, so you know, I think one of the things I enjoyed about this film was, and I said it when we introduced the cast, John Goodman. Oh yeah, I mean, prolific type of character for him. You know, yep. you're so used to seeing him in things like. Obviously, Roseanne. You've seen him in The Big Lebowski. Oh, Brother, where art thou? Yeah, where he kind of plays these... Think. Yeah. Like... Um, Flight. Flight's one of those characters mm-hmm. where he's just kind of over-the-top funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it's played for ha-ha comedy. Sometimes it's very subtle. Yeah. I, I don't know what to call it. Subtle, like, effed-up situation comedy. Yeah. Um, like, Oh, Brother, where art thou? Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got this where he is truly just... A, he's the monster of the film. Let's be honest. Yes, he is. It's not the monster from Cloverfield because you only see a silhouette of it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the other little spaceship creatures you see at the end. Yeah, it's him. And and for those of you folks who've watched it and, and may not be familiar with it, because you watched it when it first came out or spent some time, you know, the whole reason we call him the monster of this film is because Mary Elizabeth Winstead's character is driving. She just left her, just left husband. her husband. It was a husband and boyfriend, something like that. Husband, she, husband. she left a ring. Yes, um, and like moved out. Um, and then, um, oh, it says fiance. Oh, fiance. Wow, fiance uh, Bradley Cooper. Yeah, played uh, by Bradley Cooper, who voice only. Yeah, voice only, which apparently he just recorded on his phone and texted it to J.J. Abrams, and yeah. that's what they used. Which is great because it fit perfect. Yeah, it was fun. Um, but she's leaving. Um, there is nothing about a monster attack that we saw in New York. Yeah, there's some blackouts reported on the East Coast, Louisiana she, area. She actually doesn't have any dialogue no. for the first ten minutes of this film. It's just her leaving, getting in her car, driving, uh, putting gas in her car, driving some more, listening yep. to... The radio. The radio. That's um, it. And then all of a sudden she gets smacked by another car and wakes up in the bunker. Mm-hmm. Um, her knee is all sprained. Sprained, and, yeah. She's all bruised and whiplashed. And, yeah. and and so she is handcuffed to a pipe with a makeshift IV in her. Yep. And she's locked in a room. Yes, she is. And he comes in with his... Uh, to give her some food. And he's, he's kind of asking if she's uh, working for the Russians or... Or something like that. Well, he's like a little suspicious yeah. of her, and it's like because the character of Howard. Uh, the other interesting thing is there's no last names no. of any of these characters. So Howard is this kind of paranoid um, guy who builds this bomb shelter. John Goodman's character um, has all these conspiracy theories. Was in the Navy. Just kind of a you get the idea that he's really unhinged. Um, 
and uh, he's just trying to be like, you're in shock, you don't know what's going on, and he's kind of leaving these hints of, like, she's like, can I, I have people that are going to come look for me, and he's like, no one's coming to look for you. And it adds to that suspense where you're like, oh, did she just get kidnapped and is being held in a bunker? Or is there something else going on? Because you don't... We don't talk about the monster thing till the end of this movie. Yeah, you don't even hear anything about it, um, like, other than what the radio said in terms of blackouts. And that's it. But then it's like, yeah, he comes in, and she's still very mistrusting of him. Tries to give her food. She won't eat it. Tells her we can't go outside for two years because everything's poisoned. Everyone's dead up up top. Yeah, pretty much it's like, she's like, can I use a phone to call my parents to check to see if they're okay? It's like asking... Normal logical questions, but she is very, very mistrusting mm-hmm. of him. And and to her credit, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. This guy is obviously kind of, you can kind of tell there's something a little off. He has a gun on his hip. And, yep. Um, yeah, finally he, like, tries to let her out, um, give her some freedom. She tries to kill him. <laughs> like, yeah. It, she tries to escape, um, gets to the air purification, the outside the outside latch, and finds um, Leslie. Yes. The the newswoman from the next movie, which mm-hmm. we won't talk about anytime soon. But anyway, um, who has all these lesions and looks like she's been the gas has gotten to her or something's gotten to her yeah. up above. Because um, the entire time, it's all yeah. just Howard's word. Yeah. And it's like, he's controlling the entire situation. He's got the narrative. He's got the narrative. He's got control over the entire bunker. Um, There's another another person in the uh, bunker with them uh, who actually helped Howard build the bunker. Yes. (laughs) Uh, But our third lead, um, played by, what's his name, John? John Gallagher Jr. John Gallagher Jr. Oh, I take it back. There is last names. Howard's last name is Stambler. I think you only see it when she climbs through the yeah. air purification and she like steps on that like pay stub. Yeah, and his and and Emmett's name is Dewitt. Yes, but that's the only two names you get. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So she um. She kind of was like, oh well, shit. He wasn't lying to me. Yeah. He really saved me. And they kind of go back about their little happy little weird lives in the bunkers. They come up through routines. And this is the thing. Like, so, like, when she escapes, she, like, smashed a bottle over his head, stole his keys, um, almost screwed up the entire bunker thing. Oh, yeah. uh, Compromised the bunker entirely. But um, she's like, okay, yeah, this is a thing. So they kind of buy into it. And this is where you start to see kind of this, like, almost pseudo like family dynamic like you start to see a little bit of howard's like humanity start to bleed through and a little bit of her moscow syndrome mm-hmm. <laughs> munchausen or not munch or it's Moscow. it's, it's uh, moscow <laughs> syndrome it's when you tend to become friends with your captors and no like, that's uh whatever um oh that that's, that's called, like, the Beauty and the Beast thing. Or, I can't... Well, we'll look it we'll up. We'll look it up, but keep going. But, but pretty much, it's like, you start to see, like, this sort of family dynamic, like, Howard's lightening up. She, her, and Emmett are doing more chores and kind of buying into the program. And while they are kind of keeping Howard happy and showing him respect yeah. and appreciation which are words that come out a lot but um it's uh stockholm syndrome stockholm there not moscow Moscow. hey you know (laughs) they're all white and blonde hair and and northern eastern european anyway russia's technically asia part of it not all of it yeah but Anyway, <laughs> we, we, we digress. Um, but, um, yeah, so you start to see this family dynamic and everything's going well. All of a sudden, um, you hear a aircraft kind of flying around. And it sounds like a helicopter, but Howard, in being in the Navy, is like, it's not one of ours. Yeah. It's definitely... Not U.S. Not U.S., and he's... 
thinking it's Russian, Russian, Russian or, or Martian or Martian. Um, at that same moment, the air purification pump uh, shuts off, and when that happens in a bunker, the little door to that thing becomes vacuum locked. Yep. So he can't get it like physically with all his strength. He yeah, can't there's nothing pull that it's, door. It's pressurized okay. now. So. Um, Mary Elizabeth Blindstead um, has to crawl through the vent, which I could have swore was a lot smaller on the outside. Well, of course it is, but you got to have your, your movie moment. Yeah. So, your, your diehard moment. <clears throat> yes. So she crawls through the vent to go fix the uh, pump, and she does. But while she's up there, she discovers... Help! Right on the skylight. Clawed in. Yes. To this skylight, which is another hatch, um, and she finds an earring covered in blood. Yes, um, and bullet casings and yep, and they like uh, and and they see a picture in Howard that Howard's shown her with those yes. same things. So and they realize it's the picture of a girl who went missing two years earlier. Correct. So Howard had this whole narrative that he had this daughter, yep, and a wife and. They didn't want to kind of get with the program of being prepared for safety. They so him, yep. they left him, moved to Chicago. Yep. Um, so, um, again, so this was a moment where Howard was trying to show a little humanity to uh, to Mary Elizabeth Weinstein's character, Michelle. Michelle, yeah. Michelle. Um, and, but, uh, and, you know... This is kind of where you start to, to build the suspense because now the, the suspense ratchets up. Yeah, because her and Emmett are trying to build, make some tools, and to yeah. build their own hazmat suit to get out. Yeah, so um, Emmett actually recognizes the picture. Yeah, and as a girl that went missing, missing two years, two years, years ago, yep. and they never found her, and so it was kind of like, oh god, like we are really trapped in here with a monster. Yep. Um, but they're trying to, um. They pretty much try to design a their own hazmat suit, but they only have one. So the plan is to get Walter's gun, tie him up. One of them goes out, looks for help with the hazmat suit. Yeah. The other just stays and waits. Waits. And so finally Howard kind of catches on to this. Um, In a really good scene. Oh, yeah. They're playing, um, like, what is it, like... I don't remember what they're playing. They're playing... It's like the one where you you can't... It's like you're trying to get a person to guess a phrase mm-hmm. or, like, a character. Um, you can't say who they are, but you can, like... I think it's like catchphrase or just... Catchphrase like or... Yeah. I, I was going to say, like, Pictionary, but they're not drawing. But anyway, but they're playing this whole thing, and you start to see this, like, Howard sort of... Suspect and start catching on well, to this. Before yeah. that, so Emmett has uh, is trying to get Howard to guess the phrase "little women," and it's like, and so he's just like small, yeah. Um, and so Walter's like, "Oh, petite, uh, minuscule, little," and it's like, "Yes, little." And then it's like the next one, and he's just like, "Okay, Michelle. Michelle is a little girl," and it's yeah. like. No, no, no. She's a girl, but she's older. Yeah, older. It's like a princess, and it's like he. You start to see how his brain works. How he's wired. How like Howard sees this as like his little girl. Yeah, and doesn't see Michelle as a woman. Sees it as that she's like his daughter and um, has to protect her and all this stuff. Um, but then it becomes Walter's turn, and he gets he gets really intense. He's like, I see everything you're doing. I know when you've been bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, I can be everywhere at once. And this whole thing, he keeps, like, shouting it at Emmett, and Emmett starts to kind of crack. And he's oh, yeah. just like, Howard, I don't know. I don't, I, yeah. I, 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 I don't. And then finally it's like, oh, yeah, they were trying to get him to guess Santa Claus that's when Howard suspects something's up and that was like a scene where it was like you're like and then it just ratchets up throughout the whole scene and then he um, 
you know, now that he knows their plan, he takes them back to the, the acid chamber room. Well, yeah, so pretty much he takes them back. He's like, hey, can you help me bring something into the bathroom? And they're like, okay. And he pulls open like a little cabinet door. Yeah. And there's a big blue, blue barrel of pyrochloric acid. Yes. Now, to those of you who like real life murders, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer put people in blue barrels. Yep. Um, whatever. There was one guy that like murdered his wife, put her in a blue barrel and dumped her in the ocean or something like that. Anyway, but blue barrels and serial killers kind of go hand in hand for some reason. But anyway, but yeah, this is a form of acid that they used for fuel to send like satellites up, but it's also highly corrosive it's to a super acid. Yeah. It's highly corrosive to especially like organic materials. Um and uh he pulls this thing out and he's just like so he found like the little like scissors and knives that they were using to cut out like fabric to make um the uh, hazmat suit yep but and he's like what the hell are you two planning and you better tell me now or i'm gonna throw you both in this barrel right now and Emmett takes responsibility and says yeah i i wanted your gun and i was trying to make a weapon just so because i want her to respect me like she respects you she didn't know anything about it he's like totally covering for her Mm -hmm. and he's like i'm sorry and walter's like you're sorry howard or howard's like you're sorry and then just shoots him in the face in a confined area in a bathroom right in front of michelle and like the whole sound of everything goes great great sound editing um just to have that go into that ringing um disorientation state that yep. you would have in that kind of situation. Um, you know, and then he's like, we could be a family of two now. Yeah, and he's like, you're not going to hurt you anymore. Yeah. He's not going to... And he's like, t- he's babying her. And she is in shock because her, like, pretty much her only friend, like, just got shot in the face. And um, he's just like, okay, go... Go into your room. I'll clean up the mess. Yep, and that's where she goes and puts the suit on and finishes it up real fast. Finishes, works yeah. on finishing it up. But then, uh, before that, Howard shows up, clean shaven, in a blue button-up shirt. And he's like, "Hey, I thought, thought you'd like ice cream. Let's do bre- or let's do dessert before dinner." And it's like he's just like he's. Like His happen. demeanor kind of changes, yeah. and he's trying to be like that classic dad look, mm-hmm. um, like clean shaven, clean cut. Like because for throughout the whole movie, he has like A little five o'clock stubble going yeah, on. Yeah, it's like because he doesn't care, but he's like looking very proper, very suburban dad. Um, and then uh, she's trying to finish up the costume, and then he's like, "Okay, dinner's ready," and then. Um, she's trying to hide everything, but the gas mask she can't put under her mattress. Nope. Um, so she throws it in the little vent above, and he notices that the air's kind of, it's like... Not coming out quite right. Yeah, something, it's making a noise. And she's like, oh yeah, it's been doing that recently, trying to cover her tracks. And And he opens the vent and sees it. Or he opens the vent and is like... Huh, I don't know, but he's like, wait a second, why was this unlatched? Yeah. <laughs> and that's when she makes her move. And she um, pushes the acid on him. Well, well that, in the that comes yeah. much later, but she makes her move to get out. Um, and in her trying to get out, she walks by the bathroom. There's Emmett's half-dissolved body, just in a quick little pan shot, and it's like really Very jarring. visceral, yeah. But... She gets her stuff, gets um, the, whatever the, uh, the like, liquid nitrogen yeah. spray stuff to break the lock on the, on the thing. Yeah, on because the... when the acid poured out, it melted some of the wires and caught fire, so she couldn't get out up the normal path. She got path. through the ventilation system, yep. 
go through the ventilation system again and get to that uh, that other hatch. Yep. Um, pretty much Howard the entire time having his face it's like figured after having the acid dropped on him. Yeah. Is just you fully see how awful. What like, person he is. Yeah. He reflects it now. Yeah. And yeah, so she gets outside and. Um, and, and so real quick, let me back this up for you folks, because I know we're doing the play-by-play, which we normally don't do. He admits to her that he hit her car on his way to yes. the bunker, and that's and he felt bad for her and brought her in. Yeah. Um, so she gets up top, she gets to, into a, ve- her, of a vehicle, um, and she... Yeah, because uh, the one lady left her vehicle Leslie, yes. yeah, before she died, and then uh, Walter had... Uh, sorry, Howard had his... Um, truck out there. Yep. So she she escapes. Um, she's running right outside, and she actually sees a bird, like a flock of birds yeah, flying she's in like, the air. Okay, it's not poison out here, so she takes off her gas mask. Um, and then she sees a spaceship, alien aircraft, an aircraft flying in the distance, and all of a sudden the fire causes a. Blow out of yeah, the... Yeah, and it notices it and starts heading in her direction. Yeah. yeah. And she's like, you got to be kidding me. Yep. And so the creature comes out of the ship to attack her, and it's it's quadrupedal, but it doesn't... It's almost like a like a hunting dog yes. that was sent out, like a yep. scout. Um, she's able to uh, shelter from it, and right then there are tentacles from the, from the uh, spaceship. Yep. Grab the truck. Mm-hmm. Um, but she's able to destroy it with a impromptu Molotov cocktail. That yeah, because she notices like as it was flying and it was spraying the gas. Yeah, because um, I guess the gas is real. Yeah, it just disappears. There's a moment. Yeah, yeah, and so it was spraying the gas, and they notice that it's flammable. Yep. Um, but yeah, she makes a impromptu Molotov cocktail, throws it down its gullet, and blows up the sheep. Blow that mutter out of her And then sky. she's like, okay, cool. She gets in, in Leslie's car. She's driving off, and she uh, hears about this invasion happening, and humans are successfully fighting off some of these invaders, and they need anybody with combat medic training to get to Houston. And she's like, okay. Yeah. I'm heading to Houston. And behind her, a much larger spacecraft is revealed in the clouds. Yes. And this is what references... Cloverfield. Mm. But other than that, that was just the only time we referenced the other movie. And then even then, it's loose reference. Yeah. Similar species may not be the same thing. But up until then, you're just watching the movie going, oh, they just named it something similar. Yeah. No idea. It's really like, it just feels like being in that confined area, the tension, the like doubt that you got yeah. was kind of masterful. Um, so, yeah, that's pretty much what happens. And yeah, so Adam, let's talk about. We talked about it briefly in the. In, well, we talked about it a little bit since we in Cloverfield. Cloverfield didn't have a soundtrack, didn't have a score. This one, one had did. a pretty good one. Brilliant composer mm-hmm. Brian McCready. Mm-hmm. McCurry. So, for those of you who don't know, he has done Battlestar Galactica. Uh, I'm like, how was, much? Well, no, I'm like, how much time do you have? Because he's done, like, oh, Bear yeah. McCready's done Godzilla, King of the Monsters, Outlander, Walking Dead, the New Lord of the Rings series, mm-hmm. um, Agents of Shield. He's done Call of Duty games, God of War games. Yeah, um, I'm trying to think of what else he's done. I was <laughs> like, he's done a lot. Uh, Snowpiercer. That's another good one. Mm-hmm. Uh, the movie or the show? The, the show. Oh, okay. I haven't watched the show yet, it's but I saw decent. the movie. The movie is good. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see. He also did... Oh. Well, I didn't realize this. He did the score... Um, the orchestral producer for the rock opera Metalocalypse, uh, which was a continuation of Metalocalypse from... The show, yeah. Deathblock. Deathblock, people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so, I mean, prolific score writer. Oh, yeah. Um, like a lot of his work. It's very non-traditional kind of... Yeah. Score working movies that you see. Mm-hmm. Um, but kind of a. When we talked about this before, spooky movies and the. And, and just movies in general. 
This is one of the scores that helps ratchet up that suspense. Yes. It hits you, and you're just like, you hear you hear it coming. Mm-hmm. You don't know when it's going to happen. We know it's it's building. Yes. Um, what what was your big takeaway from, from the score of this film? Ooh. Just, yeah, no, I mean, it It just, inf- like, it, I think it played well with certain moments of kind of weird, like, John Goodman's character had this, like, weird tick where he'd, like, ball up his fist. Yeah. And it's just kind of having that, but then just the score kind of, while the camera's focused on that, like, you know something's up. And then, like, Michelle's character starts kind of poking the bear a bit. And yeah. it's kind of like, oh, no. <laughs> and it just kind of, it really helped influence the scene. And then even, like, the... The, like it had a few like actual songs because they have like a jukebox down there, um, but there were a few moments where it's like oh yeah like <clears throat> it's like I think we're alone now and that's like the happy yep um, dance party like they're being a happy family and then there's like the, this whole thing of like John Goodman like uh, after she found out like all this stuff happened goes and puts on this. Uh, one song and he's just like <laughs> shaking yeah. his ass. And <laughs> yeah. Um, so kind of an interesting bonus fact for this for this film. So they obviously filmed it on one set. Mm-hmm. They filmed it in chronological order. Of the yes. Script. Yep. Not really often done in film production. Usually mm-hmm. it's you were on this set, so let's film everything that this set is going to have for yeah. the film as much as we can today. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now we're going to move to this location. We're going to film everything that this location has. So if it yep. doesn't matter if it came. 30 pages earlier in the script, we're going to do it this way. Yeah. Um, so I think as an actor, and, and you and me did a sense of a lot of theater work. Which is always, you're doing it from beginning to end. Beginning to end. And it's something relatable. I think as a, and I'm not a film actor by any stretch I mean, I imagine this probably helped build the characters. And that's oh, why yeah. we see it be as suspenseful as it is, because they're filming it the way we're seeing it. Yeah. And I think they only did a few reshoots. I think one of them was when Emmett's giving his backstory. Like when yeah, it's like they're kind of... Because Emmett has a small bed behind some shelves. But it's the same wall that uh, Michelle's room is on the other side of. And so they were just sitting there talking about stuff. And um, when and this is when you find out more about Emmett's backstory. And apparently that was like one of the few like things they had to they reshot mm-hmm. or redid um like after the fact but yeah no i mean it's uh it does like help build relationships and then also kind of helps your character almost to get to like where they need to be um Agreed. like you can have that endearing moment with michelle and um and howard, howard and, yeah and they kind of find like common ground yeah and then it's like, oh, yeah, now we can, like, we're starting to have fun more. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely better than going from disheveled, like, acid-burned Howard yeah. to then to be like, oh, yeah, we're back at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> but so you kind of get used to it when you do film stuff. Yeah, so. you do. The years is shooting out of order. Mm-hmm. All right, Adam. Well... Give me your final big takeaway from this film. Ooh. Um, I think, I mean, this was, I think, a very good um, example of a of a thriller where you don't, like, you only know what you're being told by, like, the characters. Yeah. Like, you have no idea, and... Like, I think even, like, most people, like, went into the theater not knowing what this was about. Um, I think the trailer kind of hinted at some things, but I was, like, I kind of went in pretty cold, and I was blown yeah, away. Yeah, I went in cold, and we went, I mean, I went in just some of the trailers, but not knowing how it yeah. tied into this Cloverfield universe. Um, but I like that it wasn't built that way. It was just, like, little tidbits they threw in yeah, after well, the fact for you to just be like, Oh yeah, it's interconnected, yeah. but it's not like it's not like the MCU where this movie you have to watch to see yeah, this movie to understand this. It's movie. interconnected in the way that 
Twilight Zone episodes are interconnected. Yeah. And I can't remember if we mentioned this. Uh, this is his Twilight Zone. This is J.J. Yes, yeah. yeah. So it, the Cloverfield thing is Bad Robot's version of Twilight Zone. Um, so it's like they're, they're different stories, different timelines, different worlds, that sort of thing. Um, but it's like they're not... Like, some things are happening, but some things aren't. Yes. So, it's like, in this, like, in 10 Cloverfield Lane, it's very possible that the whole New York City attack never happened. Um, but it's kind of, it's just interesting to see, um, like, kind of this sort of mystery box format, if you will, like that Twilight Zone format being done on the big screen. And then the little screen later but <laughs> all right I, I think my other big takeaway from this film Adam has to be just how well they portrayed that intimacy of, of a small cast because mm-hmm. it's hard to do oh, yeah. today it's Hollywood you see these big blockbuster cast lists and five or six main characters and this was three who carried the story the whole way so oh, yeah. I think for me that was my big takeaway was you have a small standalone film with a big name cast and it doesn't feel like we're just using a big name cast to get this film across. Yep. We're we're just we're gonna do a small contained story that is full of suspense and then it just happens to tie into an alien feature. Yeah. Um alright Adam, so before we leave Cloverfield Ten Cloverfield Lane, give me your hot take. takes. What are they going to say this week? Okay, well, um, I guess it's like my kind of hot take is, um, like, I kind of mentioned the mystery box thing, and if that kind of still works today, because I know Jordan Peele did a reboot of like Twilight Zone, and I don't think it did as well. No. Um, I mean, I'm a fan of the Twilight Zone uh, old series. Like, I remember watching a lot of those in school, and they were very smart. And I think these, like, Cloverfield and 10 Cloverfield Lane were really, really smart. So I'm like, I don't... Like, do you think this sort of format, where it's kind of sort of episodic, but not, like super connected do you think that works do you think like people went into cloverfield paradox and i haven't seen it but i know they try to connect it even more but it's like could we just have had like cloverfield paradox has small tie-ins like this did but it's it's its own contained thing it can be and i think that's kind of fun I know they're actually developing a true sequel to the first Cloverfield. Yes, I did see that. Um, and it's still in development, and they're not going to say anything about it until it comes out because they're like, we're not, we don't, we like the surprise. We like yeah. to to hit you without you knowing what's coming. Mm. Um, but I mean, the way Cloverfield Paradox works, and it kind of explains this, like you said, this Twilight Zone feature where, without going into de- details about that film, they are trying to use a particle accelerator in space to create this. Unlimited clean energy supply on the space station called Cloverfield, mm-hmm. and scientists on Earth are like if you start this thing up, it's going to create a paradox where we could open dimensional rifts into hellish universes and bring forth their their demons. And we kind of reviewed that the first one, like yeah. with the Event Horizon, very similar. Yes, um, and it's where you get the monsters from. Yeah, um, and this is how it ties into everything that plays in the other two in the previous two films mm-hmm. um so my hot take on this Adam and it's just a very minuscule thing we've talked about how I like backstory and how I like finishing and tying everything in a neat bow mm-hmm. I really want to know who this girl was in terms of the in the picture and who wrote help on there like oh Brittany or Brittany think- yeah give me a little snippets a little flashbacks maybe even a eh. I think it was creepier, not... It was creepy, but I just kind of want to know. Did she get out? Is she dead? Was she in the acid? I don't think she probably ended up... She probably in the acid. I mean, there were bullet casings and a bloody earring and... 
True, but you so, know, I mean, eh, who knows? No, I think really that's my only big hot take in this film. Otherwise, I just there's nothing I would really want to change or, or, or tweak or irk me about this film. Yeah. Well, before we get into Rex, yeah. I do have a question for you, Matt. Have you noticed how horror movies are now less debuting in theaters and more debuting on streaming? And I know the pandemic probably had a lot to do with that. I think the pandemic had a lot to do with that. And I also think that in theaters, horror movies have a limited window this Mm -hmm. time of year. Yeah. Um, That's it. You're not going to go see The Exorcist 17 in the middle of January. True. Just not something you're into. Yeah. Ever. But... It's really a Halloween season kind of film. We only got four weeks to kind of really get these slates out. Mm-hmm. It makes sense to start streaming some of these and have streaming deals. Five Nights at Freddy's okay. is one of them, where it's in theaters, but Peacock as well. Okay. Because, yeah, I mean, I was reading an article. I forget. It might have been on IGN. And they were like, how streaming has become the new home for horror. And I'm like, yeah, it kind of has. Yep. <laughs> so, I'm like... I don't remember the last horror movie I saw in theaters, but... It, too, for me. Yeah. But I... I mean, I know, like, I recommended, like, Hellraiser. Yeah. Or, or last Spooktober, and kind of talked about that one, and I thought that was really good and very creepy. But, yeah, you start, you're starting to see all these horror films just pop up on streaming. I think it's mostly, too, these... Horror films tend to be smaller independent studios who don't have to have these giant blockbuster studios so they can probably make a better profit or make a profit yeah. on a streaming deal versus... Yeah, well, and especially like if you look at, like, uh, there's this, like, Tubi or whatever yeah. or, and Voodoo and all that. If you go to their horror movie section, you will find the most bizarre oh, stuff yeah. on the planet. Like, stuff that would never in a million years be released, but it's kind of like... For I think those lower end platforms, small independent, yeah, it become it's become kind of the the like straight to video or direct to video yep. type thing. But um, I yeah, I just have noticed it's just like yeah, I'm like a lot of these good horror films, they are they come to streaming and then it's yes, then that's it. I guess it's like I mean I'll watch a horror movie any time of the year um, if it's good. That's all. Yeah. All right, Matt, let's start with you. All Um, right. It's time for Wreck of the Week. It's time for the Geek Wreck of the Week. What are the geeks going to recommend? All right, so my wreck this week is going to be a board game. Okay. I know we talk about a lot of media, and this is obviously different form of media. But we're geeks. We we can talk about games, like different kinds of games. And if it's Spooktober, it's Mm -hmm. a fun game. It's called Betrayal on the House of the Hill. Third edition is what we played. Mm. Um, so it's a three to six player board game. The game never is the same game to game because you build the house as you explore the house and you randomly draw the tile and, oh, this is now the dining room. Mm-hmm. Oh, I found the surgeon's room mm-hmm. in the attic. You're like, what the, what the hell is this doing up here? Um, and there's 50 different scenarios. So depending on what of the first six base scenarios, you know, we're searching for a lost friend. We're wanting to buy this house. So on and so forth. And then when you find enough omens or bad tokens, one one of these you find and you go to your cheat sheet and it says, this is the scenario you're playing now. <laughs> and you go to the book and read the scenario and go, oh, well, now I'm the traitor. <laughs> and my job is to kill you four or you three, whatever it ends up being. Yeah. I, one scenario, we were all on our own, free for all, and your goal is to find food for the witches and you can kill each other to get the food or you can just search each room you go through um one scenario i was the trader and trying to kill everyone else in the house before they could close their uh, portals to my to my realm hmm. so a lot of fun it was definitely entertaining and a lot of setup and a lot of learning but once we got the hang of it, it ran pretty smooth okay Adam, what's your rec this week? Um, well, I kind of hinted at it. Uh, I'm going to recommend the movie Prey. Like P-R-E-Y. Same director as 10 Cloverfield Lane. It is a Predator prequel. Like, yes. So it is... Uh, I don't want to give too much away, but it takes place in um, like French Canada, like French British Columbia or something like that. Or like... One of the provinces, but it takes place back in uh, 
times of like Native Americans and fur trappers and stuff like that. So um, it's a really interesting take on the predator genre. Um, I I'm, I mean, I'm a big fan of the first three predators. Was not a big fan of the fourth one. Um, didn't really like the Alien versus Predator movies, but uh, if you kind of like the Yautshua lore and all that, it's a it's a very interesting take. So definitely uh, worth checking out. It's all on right. Hulu. So yeah, recommend checking it out. Oh, um, all right, folks. Well, this wraps up another episode of Have a Drink Some Geeks podcast. It Make wraps sure up Spooktober. Spooktober twenty twenty three. We're going to put it back in its sarcophagus for next year. Yes. Maybe we should do the mummy next year. The bad one. We've already done the good one. I'm like, I'm like, we did that one. But I'm like, I don't want to do the Tom Cruise one. You have to do some bad to get the good. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. Well, this wraps up the episode. Make sure you find, follow, like, subscribe, comment, tweet, whatever you want to do at Geek Drink Pod on all social media platforms. Including bluebarrellonelyman.net. Yes. All right, folks. Give me the blue barrels. Oh, Lord. Yeah, I knew we were going to have that one. <laughs> but leave us a review. Leave a comment. Tell us what you think of this week's and other week's episodes. Yeah. It helps the algorithm get us in the ear holes. Mm-hmm. And recommend anything for us, whether it be drinks or uh, content that you want us to explore. Yeah. Um, we're, we're always down for suggestions. Again, I say it within reason. Yes. All right, folks. Well, thanks for giving us a listen. Everyone have a great Geek Week. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Have a Drink with Some Geeks podcast. Tune in next week to see what our geeky host will discuss next week. Goodbye. been another episode of the have a drink with some geeks podcast all content copyright heat drink pod 2023